As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're watching Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Remchak. Your one-stop shop for all things Oilers. We are going to be taking one shot for every victory the Oilers have had on this winning streak. Going to need a big bottle, though. Let's get into it with the lead. (laughs) We are not actually going to do that because it's noon. You speak for yourself, Todd. <laughs> uh, welcome into Oilers Nation every day, a victory Friday edition of the show, live from the Sports Closet Studio and live on the Oilers Nation YouTube, where our boy Spiced Oil is in and says Oilers for Heart Trophy 2024. Sure, just the whole team. Why not? Because they're that hot. Uh, a 15th consecutive win last night, a shutout victory for the Edmonton Oilers over the Chicago Blackhawks, and this team just cannot be stopped they can't be stopped it is unbelievable uh we are going to break it all down today everything we liked from the victory yesterday no liam today on the show by the way as he is traveling to the six on a scouting mission so it's just going to be me you on the boost juice youtube chat and my boy aaron is behind the scenes you you saw him last night with oilers nation after dark aaron were the people fired up or what Dude, the people were so fired up. I was just telling you before, I feel like every single Oiler personality has been created is in the YouTube chat. Vibes were good last night. It wasn't the perfect effort. It wasn't pretty. They all count the same. We grab two points. We move along. And I'm just hoping to grab that dub on Nashville and we can enjoy the streak for like another week of time. And uh, we'll see what happens after that. Yeah, giddy up. Uh, PK is in. PK, don't call me, Subban, says, since Knobloch <laughs> took over, the Oilers have the most points, 50. Second are the Jets at 49. The least amount of games, second most goals, four per game, second least goals against per game. Yeah, I mean, whatever way you want to dice up the stats, it's it's wildly impressive what this team is doing. And they are now, I mean, if we're they're on the verge of history, and that's not a stretch at all. Um, yeah, Liam, I'm on a mission for the championship. <laughs> Oilers on a mission to bring a championship to Edmonton and to Oilers fans. But this streak, like, and then when 
when you compare what the Oilers are doing to what teams around them are doing, like Seattle was hot for a little bit. They've really pittered off. Calgary is almost playing themselves out of the playoff picture. And the way the Oilers have just bing caught the LA Kings, LA Kings are now firmly in the rear view mirror, four points back of the Oilers and Edmonton still has a game in hand. The Vegas golden Knights. I mean, the Oilers are ahead of them in terms of points percentage. It's six forty eight. 646. So if you go off points percentage, the Oilers are now second in the Pacific division. It's not even the end of January. I know there was a tweet going around yesterday that the Oilers are at their best mark at the 44 game mark or 43 game mark. It was at least heading into yesterday. It's their best record they've had in that amount of games to start a season. It's pretty incredible what's going on. And last night, down at Rogers place, the vibes were very, very good. That was a very good crowd as well. Sometimes before the anthem, it's, you know, not a hundred percent full in that building yesterday. It was 100% full for the anthem. The crowd was alive. Um, the guy who was sitting next, not next to me, he was like across the aisle and down a couple rows. He fell asleep in the third period, though. Aaron. Yeah, he had a little bit too much fun. Yeah, he was just out cold. I, was, I have a picture, but I will not obviously use it. There's just like nine Coors around him just sitting on the ground. He was having a rough go. But. Hey, hey, we've all been there before. I've never actually fallen asleep or passed out at a sporting event, but I've had to grab a couple waters before at a sporting event mm-hmm. to get that hand. But Tyler, there is one thing we have to bring up. All right. We brought it up last night on the After Dark, and I need you to explain yourself. With this. Did okay. You start the way. So my boy, Russell, who uh, I did not know this. He's the guy who made these play the Bomba jerseys. That's his company who did that all. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna help me make some other jerseys as well. But he actually says his season tickets are dead across the aisle from me. He was not the guy who fell asleep. Uh, he's dead <laughs> across the aisle from me. And they always have been, which is cool. I didn't know I was sitting next to him all this time. And he just turned and goes, Tyler, put your arms up. I was like, okay. And he took a picture. And he goes, I'm going to tell everyone on Twitter, you started the wave. So this is 100% a conspiracy. It was still a tight hockey game at that point. So I know better than to start the wave. Um, uh, people but last night were pointing out, they're like, how long are your Remchuk's arms? I'm tall. <laughs> I know. You, they don't realize it. You are very tall. People who haven't met me in person who just watched the show, I don't know if it's because you only ever see me sitting down, but I am like 6'2", bordering on 6'3". You six, are considerably three. taller than and I am. And I'm long. I'm very long. I have a long wingspan. They so. said you were going to take flight out of the building last night. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looks like that's what I'm about to do there. So that is also well played. All right, he's off the hook, everybody. He was the oily last night. Yeah, um, but I was in a good mood because, come on, the Oilers are absolutely humming a 3 nothing victory last night. So let's get into a few things that I liked in that hockey game. Listen, was it the prettiest start to that hockey game? no. The Blackhawks came within an inch of opening the scoring when Jason Dickinson rang one off the bar. He beat Calvin Pickard, and that was the only time all night anyone managed to beat Calvin Pickard, by the way. But the Hawks almost got on the board early in that game, and the Oilers just... The Oilers just didn't want to shoot the puck. And I don't know why this is becoming a trait of this hockey team and and why they're so hesitant to just rip pucks on net, but only rip pucks on net when they're playing inferior opponents, like they had zone time early on in that hockey game last night, they were moving the puck. Well, Chicago turns over the puck like my beer league team. It is very easy to get the puck back from the Chicago Blackhawks. The amount of times one of their D men would stand back with no pressure and look and look, and then just put one right on the tape of an Oilers player in the neutral zone. It was 
it was wild. That is not a very good hockey. That is a bad hockey team. That is a flat out bad hockey team. And Chicago played like a bad hockey team yesterday. The Oilers just didn't have that extra little bit of oomph to their game in the opening 20. So that was disappointing to see. But I liked yesterday, someone tweeted the picture of the Oilers every third period. Um, and it's, you know, them sitting back gaming and then you sit up right? chill when, stance, yeah, I call when, chill you, stance. when you really got to get into the zone. It's just, that's the Oilers every third period. And that was the Oilers last night at five on five in the final period. They outshot the Blackhawks 14 to eight. They score, they pick up the empty netter and they walk away with a three, nothing victory. Um, Connor McDavid and Leon dry again, didn't have their best game, but then they each rattle off three point performances, which is just insane. Um, and we'll get a look at the goal that made it one nothing. This was early on in the second period on the power play. And I think at first glance, everyone was like, ooh, yep. goalie interference. Why was Zach Hyman in the mix? Why is he on top of Peter Morazic? But that was legit just the Oilers puck movement taking Peter Morazic Why so far. Why is Peter Morazic that far out of his crease? Yeah, and then you watch the replay and you're like, oh, that had nothing. Zach Hyman is totally in the clear. Connor McDavid had a gaping cage to throw that one into. And he makes it one nothing, And then it was McDavid with the empty netter. Sandwiched in between there was Zach Hyman. I got to give a shout out to my girlfriend. Before the third period Why? started, <laughs> I said, we're at the game, having some drinks, having a good time. I go, who's going to score the next goal? You tell me, I'll put five bucks on it. She nailed it. It was Zach Hyman. So a nice little payout. Drinks were uh, courtesy of that wager, I suppose, uh, last night. But Zach Hyman gets another one. That top line was good. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, the top line was bad, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, shots were 9-7 with them on the ice last night. And again, that's almost not even a product of them not having the puck and not having possession, but they just weren't shooting the puck, man. And we did this yesterday with Connor McDavid, where we talked about how hard his shots per 60 has fallen off, both at five on five and then especially with the man advantage. There was an odd man rush in the second period where Chicago took the pass away. Chicago had no interest in playing McDavid and he still stopped up had a chance to stick handle it. And I thought we were going to get the vintage like stick handle, then quickly snap it low. And he just didn't want to do it. So the lack of shooting was the frustrating point of yesterday, but a lot that I did like, although the shot clock didn't reflect it. I did think Ryan McLeod, Dylan Holloway and Connor Brown looked very good together as the third line on the Edmonton Oilers. I thought that second line as well had some really good moments with Nuge, Evander Kane and Warren Fogle. Yes, Whitdog said it. McLeod, Holloway, Brown, absolutely buzzing for the Oilers. They only produced two shots at five on five. They weren't on the ice for a goal at five on five either, but I they were great. more often than not, they were pushing things in the right direction. I really liked what I saw from Dylan Holloway. And I know Maynard says it here saying that Holloway line could become something special. And I agree. Yesterday, we had Colby Cohn on the show and he talked about how the Oilers need more from Dylan Holloway. And I know a lot of you got on him for saying that. Because Dylan Holloway now has been good for, it's now three consecutive games. As of yesterday, it was back-to-back good games since returning from injury. But as a former first-round pick, I want to see him do it for 10 to 15 straight games. And I think we have seen him take a step forward. It's now been three straight games, so you can start to believe a little bit. But Dylan Holloway is starting to look like a comfortable NHLer. He's holding on to the puck. He's making plays. He's not just hitting the red line and being petrified of making a turnover, so he just gets it in deep. He makes really smart plays. And JT says, I feel Holloway can be a top six with his speed and skill. Maybe, but for now, like, let's not mess with a good thing here. So, um, K Waddy is in or Quaddy. I never know what to call you. I'm so sorry. I totally agree, Tyler. He does find fault with 15 in a row, but this team can take some pressure off its goalies earlier with the third period. Yeah. and, And that's where I'm at. Like, again, can we sit here and nitpick last night? 
yes, at the end of the day, 15 straight wins is incredible. They have done this with not playing their best hockey a lot of nights. And I think last night would qualify as not playing their best hockey, but just finding a way to crank it up at the, at the right moment. Mulek is in the chat. He had that nasty toe pull play. Yeah. He made a couple of just, I, they're confident plays. It's a guy who goes into the offensive zone and again, isn't scared, isn't going in thinking, oh man, I, I got to just make the easy player, the safe play. He's taking risks in his game. And what I think he's finding out is, holy shit, I'm good enough to make these plays. I'm good enough to pull off a toe drag around the defenseman. I'm good enough to flip it to my backhand and drive in wide on a D-man. And I know, again, last night's the Hawks and they are largely an American League roster. So maybe that's why Holloway had the confidence last night and maybe that's why he had the confidence against Columbus. But we saw him look good against Calgary too in his first game since coming back up. All the reports you hear down from Bakersfield when he was there is that he looked incredibly confident. So Dylan Holloway, he's coming. And I agreed I agreed with Colby yesterday and saying he's an important piece for the Oilers that needs to get going more. And I think he's an important piece in the sense that, dude, if he becomes a driver and all of a sudden you can sit there again, I don't believe Connor McDavid and Leon Drysettle are a long-term top six, like, or are a long-term duo in the top six. I think eventually you'll split them up. And when you do, if you have that top line, that's obviously going to hum with Connor McDavid. You have a second line that's obviously going to hum with Leon Drysettle. And now you've got two drivers in Ryan McLeod and Dylan Holloway on the third line and a piece in Connor Brown, who I believe is a good complimentary piece. Yes. I know he hasn't scored. Mulek and I, we need to cook up some sort of a bet because he's going to take Yanmark's side on who scores more. And I'm going to take Connor Brown's side. We're just trying to figure out. We're working behind the scenes on how me and him can make a wager for that. Um, but if that third line can stay legit and stay buzzing, this team's going to be very hard to beat. And then we're going to get into a conversation later about Corey Perry's making his debut on Saturday in all likelihood. So question right. from big J. I wanted to ask you if that line does continue to play good, where does Corey Perry slide in the lineup? I don't yeah, want to mess with that third line. Yeah. It's obviously the fourth line. I think you can ease him into things who comes out probably Sam Gagne. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. love his game last night. I know he's got the scoring touch. He did end up playing more at five on five in that hockey game than Derek Ryan, but I can't see them being willing to take Derek Ryan out of the lineup right now. Matias Janmark played the most out of that trio at five on five. He got a couple of extra shifts. Also, Matias Janmark was, I mean, they didn't have any penalty kill opportunities yesterday, but he is probably more important to the penalty kill right now. So yeah, it's probably Gagne coming out on Saturday against the Nashville Predators and Corey Perry slides in there. But the fact that we're sitting here going, hey, we got a problem. Everyone's playing too good. Who do you take out of the lineup? That is a good, good problem to have. Um, do you have the YouTube open? Can we put a poll in? Let's put a poll in. Who comes out? Gagne, or Ryan, Yanmark. Okay. I want to um, let you and, people. And while I do that, um, just to finish up on the Dylan Holloway points. Um, man's absolutely shredded as well. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Jesus. Get that off the screen. I wasn't I'll be, expecting I'll be, I'll be, that when I saw that. Who got, wait, put it actually, I lied. Put it back up. <laughs> Who got the painter and the plunger? Pickard, plunger. Pickard, Nuge with the painter. Okay. I thought Nuge had an okay game. Um, you know what? Let's get into Pick Daddy, our boy, Calvin Pickard, and get into our moment of the game. It is for our friends at da -da -da, Douglas Mattresses. I've been sleeping like a baby as of late. One, because the Edmonton Oilers have won 15 games in a row, and that gets me very excited. But also, 
because of my friends at Douglas Mattress for hooking me up. They are locally owned. They are quality mattresses. You can take it from me. I've been sleeping on mine for three weeks now. Time is flying, but I couldn't imagine life without my Douglas mattress. And if you want the proof, do we have the picture of me with it? No, I'm making a uh, poll. Okay, that, that's oh. okay. Yeah, make the poll. Poll's, the poll's live. Poll's live. Uh, but you can order today, douglas.ca slash Oilers Nation. Douglas mattresses are handcrafted in Canada, ensuring the highest quality materials and fastest delivery to you. Support a local owned and operated Edmonton company. Yes, Calvin Pickard, he gets our moment of the game. The penalty stop shot. Penalty shot stop. Penalty yeah, shot stop. Go. Yeah, I said it right the second time. Uh, I loved Vinny too, going up and giving him a big hug after. I didn't think, I didn't think this was a penalty Other shot. Did I, man. I said it last night on the post game. I don't know what the rule is. I don't see how that is a penalty shot, but I'm not an NHL ref. Uh, yeah, like I feel like we've seen we've seen Connor McDavid get assaulted more than that on breakaways before, um, and on more clear cut breakaways, and they just call a hooker a slash. But either way, I mean, whatever. Calvin Pickard stops it. That was not a very good attempt from Mackenzie on whistle either. Um, we'll get another look at it here. Vinny goes, gives them the big bear hug, but like at the moment, again, it's a one goal game at this point. This is a, ma- I know they end up winning three, nothing. So it's like, whatever, but that is a massive moment and a massive stop by Calvin Pickard, even after. So Vinny goes out, gives them a hug and then they played a little bit. And then there was an icing and a stoppage and Cody Cece came over again to Calvin Pickard and like gave him a whack on the pads and gave him a good job. So Calvin Pickard stopping the penalty shot was massive. It allowed the Oilers to just keep rolling with the momentum they were generating. And how about the season this guy's putting together five, two and Oh, his personal winning streak keeps rolling. It's the first time since 2018. I believe that Calvin Pickard has recorded a shutout and he's got a nine 15 save percentage. People, what did we say yesterday? If the save percentage starts with the nine, you're doing fine. This is, Something better than fine. A 915 save percentage is absolutely legit. And he's the answer. <laughs> Bag milk. What a tweet. <laughs> Calvin Bigger must really hate Bakersfield. Yeah, man. He probably really does. He confirmed it in the chat last night. He does hate Bakersfield, doesn't want to go back. Yeah. Um, but again, the penalty stop shot, penalty shot stop. Oh, I need you to stop trying to run those words together. That's embarrassing. Um, but it was huge for the Oilers, and that performance was big by the Oilers. And I think what Pickard is proving. As we keep going along here, and again, beating the Blackhawks is whatever. It's beating the Blackhawks. They're not good. They have the worst offense in the NHL. They're missing their best player, and they're really their only quality offensive pieces. Jason Dickinson, of all people. But still, Calvin Pickard's done well in some starts against New Jersey. He's played good offensive teams and given you good, good minutes. He is a legit NHL backup. He's playing like one, and you can trust him. I I Again, last night is just another tick in the box for don't need to trade for a goalie right now. And hey, maybe he turns into a pumpkin. But again, you can run with this until the deadline. And once you're until at the, the wheels fall off, man, I'm going. Yeah. And once you're at the deadline, like there's not that much more hockey left to play in the regular season. So I know we're doing the whole ah, what happens if Skinner gets hurt? And I think you could go to a handful of teams around the NHL and say, what happens if their starting goalie gets hurt and it's ugly? What if the LA Kings lost Cam Talbot right now? They'd be running with Dave Riddick and maybe they go out and get a goalie at some point. So not the best example, but still I just to sit there and say the Oilers need to go out and shell out the assets and shell out what little cap space they have to go get an expensive backup for Stuart Skinner. I don't think they need to. And Pickard showed last night that he can be trusted. So Pickard stick taps to him for another strong performance. The save percentage up to a 915 on the season. Dry as in says Pickard is a solid backup. Um, Jack must just be, he must be pissed watching this go down. He's never going to get a shot back here again. Naeem says, Tyler, do you think Pickard's play 
might have some trade value for an upgrade. No, I don't think so. Like, again, you can look around the league. Like, he's a he's a fine backup. He's a good backup. He's playing like a good backup, I should say. You can find a ton of those guys. Like, I, I think he might not clear waivers. I think that might be a legitimate concern. But, yeah, there's... I, it's not like you can trade him for a third round pick and then use a second round pick to get a goalie. Like, no, there's nothing crazy like that going down. Um, Pickard is in the chat or at least someone being or acting as Gum Pickard. Jack can stay down in my house. Hey, I mean, Jack Campbell's playing good too, right? Like that is, he's playing good down in Baco. So there's no need to ruffle any sort of feathers or mess with anything here. But again, if there was a situation where you dealt with an injury, you can bring up one of Rodriguez or Campbell, especially with the way this team's playing in front of their goalies right now. So um, Joey says, what's Tampa without Vassie? And hey, earlier in the year, Tampa had to grind through with Jonas Johansson and the results were not that good. Granted, they played like crap and they still aren't playing that good out East in Tampa, but still like, I'm not worried about the goaltending. So last night, the moment of the game for Douglas Mattresses was without a doubt, the penalty shot stop. Nailed it on the first try. Shout out to Douglas Mattress. You can order today at douglas.ca slash Oilers Nation. Named Canada's best mattress on Canadian living. Support a locally owned and operated Edmonton company at Douglas Mattress. Uh, Let's keep moving along with the show today. We do have a Sherwood Ford giant question of the show. It's brought to you by SherwoodFord.ca. Check them out online for their extensive inventory of new and used vehicles. And I'm I'm really going to lean on the chat here because I don't have Liam to bounce ideas off of. But your Sherwood Ford giant question today is what assets should the Oilers be okay with trading at the deadline? And I've broken this into three categories. I got yes, I got maybe, I got no. So in the yes column, I have three kind of areas. The first is draft picks. Okay, here's what they have for the next three years in terms of first, second, and third round picks. Things that'll actually get you something of significant value at the deadline. They don't have their third rounder in this upcoming draft. I believe that was the Bukestad deal from last year. They don't have their second rounder in 2025. If you remember, that was a part of the Zach Cassian cap dump to the Arizona Coyotes. So they're already missing a few picks. The Oilers, here's what they have from rounds four to seven as well. So an extra six that they picked up in the Matias Ekholm deal, but no fourth rounder this year either. No seventh rounder, but who cares? Next year, you have your fourth your fifth, your sixth, and your seventh. Same thing in 2026. But in this upcoming draft, if you want to flip back to the first one, Aaron, you have your first, you have your second, but you have no third and fourth. Next year, you have your first, you have your third. I think all of these are on the board, but I'm not going to sit here and say they'll move all of them. I think if they trade their first this year, they don't trade their second this year. Could I see them trading both of their firsts at this year's deadline? That feels a little bit intense. So in my yes column for what assets would I be okay with the Oilers moving at the deadline? I say you hold on to your 2025 first and you trade one of your first or second this year. I think that is prime. The number one bargaining chip that our boy Ken Holland has on the table is one of the first or second this year. I think a piece that is becoming an intriguing, not going to call it a lock, but something I'm very much okay with throwing in to a deal this year. It's Xavier Borgo. Again, I think you want to keep one of your first or second rounders for your scouts this year. That's fine. Use Borgo as that second chip. And the reason I'm okay with this is because when you look at the Oilers forward group right now and you look at kind of who's locked up and who's going to be around for the next few years, you got McDavid, you got Drysdale, you got Hyman, you got Kane, you got Nuge. Five pieces of your top six are already locked up. Dylan Holloway's looking good. Ryan McLeod is under contract for next season as well. You have 
seven of your top nine, we'll say, already locked up for this team. So I don't think there's really room for Xavier Borgo. And I think if this makes any sense, you can let me know if it doesn't. His value and what he'll bring you back is greater than what he'll contribute to your lineup at any point over the next two seasons. So that's why I'm okay with moving Borgo. I think there will be teams out there who sit there and go, ooh, do we want your first, which is going to be pick maybe 28 to 32 in that range? Like it, it could be, there's a very real chance. It's a late, late draft pick for whoever's getting the his first this year. I think teams might sit there and go, actually, we kind of prefer Borgo because he's going to be closer to contributing in our lineup if you're a rebuilding team. And the second round pick should be able to get you something. So I think two of Borgo, the first and the second, are your big, big bargaining chips for the Oilers. Other pieces, I'd be okay with them moving in any kind of a deal. Like, don't think twice about it. Any of the forwards down in Bakersfield. You know, if someone, if there's a team out there whose scouts love Tyler Tulio, you throw him in. I really like Matt Vey Petrov. I think he's a steal for him. If there's a team out there whose scouts love Matt Vey Petrov and they view him as like a second or third round pick kind of value, I'm okay with moving Matt Vey Petrov. I'm okay with moving Borgo. Carter Savoy starting to come on. I don't think he'd have value anywhere outside of Edmonton. But if someone loves Savoy, sure. If someone loves Raphael Lavoie, throw him in. Sure. Don't care. He's a guy who could maybe factor into your bottom six next year. But again, any forward currently on the Bakersfield roster, I am totally okay with Borgo's stats. Here's Borgo's numbers this year in the American League. Like, again, I don't think he'll have a ton of value, but some team might treat him and, or look at him and go, ah, we'll get him into our system. He's a warm body, former first-round pick, has some pedigree, whatever. So those are the assets that are in my yes. My maybe column is a little bit different. The 2025 first is a maybe for me. I, I think if there's a slam dunk, again, Matthias Ekholm style fit out there. If there is a player you look at and go, damn it, they're going to help us this year. They got term on them. So they're going to be around for next year's playoff run as well. Then you're okay giving up both your next two first, but it needs to be for a player with term. That's kind of the line I draw here is I'm okay giving up this year's first for a rental. We are in that kind of a window right now. If you're going to move next year's first and then you're going to go into next year's deadline without a first or a second round pick, you need to come away with it and be sitting here 12 months from now with an asset that's still on the team. So I'm not moving next year's first unless it's a player with term. This year's first for a rental, sign me up because we're trying to win a Stanley Cup. If you're going to hamstring next year's team, you can't hamstring next year's team is how I'm going to put it. The 2025 first only on the table if it is a player coming back with term. The other player I have in my maybe column is Philip Broberg. And I, I, I'm i torn on this one. I saw someone said over in the chat, uh, you don't, I, I'm okay with moving uh, Bro, who was it? Dry said, I'd move Borgo over Broberg. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think Broberg is a little bit closer to contributing. And again, if they don't do it this trade deadline, I think maybe this summer, the opportunity opens up where you go, okay, we might need to make a tough decision and move on from Brett Kulak and finally trust Philip Broberg with those everyday minutes. Um, Calvin Bigger, Broberg will probably never crack the team. But again, he will if you're tight against the cap this summer and you need to move on from Brett Kulak. So uh, Naeem says Kulak, Vinny have decent numbers, but against very weak competition, they are replaceable. Yeah, like your third pairing should be replaceable with good young talent. So again, if some team loves Philip Broberg, and they go, hey, we're only doing this deal if you're including Philip Broberg or he's the team's number one ass. They want Broberg before they want your first round pick. 
then I don't think you let Philip Broberg get in the way. Like he's not immovable. He's not untouchable. If there's a player you love and the team wants Broberg, you part with Broberg. But just considering how close he is, he's your seventh defenseman right now. For being honest, if someone went down, Philip Broberg's coming up and playing games for you at the NHL level, right? So I'm holding on to him, but I'm not putting him in a safe, locking it and saying he's untouchable. So Broberg and the 2025 first are in my maybe category. You guys are all talking about Bo Akey, and I didn't include him in this conversation just because I don't, I, I think they got a good guy in him. And when you look at the right side, like maybe you could say, you know, yeah, you have Bouchard. I think they're very high on a guy in Max Warner. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. I think you want to keep the right shot around. You have Ekholm and Nurse for the next number of seasons, but CeCe's done at the end of next year. Vinny DeHarnay, who knows what kind of contract he's going to look for. So I think you want to keep your right shot, D-men. I think you kind of almost want to keep all your D prospects if we're being totally honest. I'm not trading Bo Akey. I really like the game. You listen to scouts and stuff. I'm keeping Akey. I'm keeping Max Warner. I honestly think I'm okay with trading any forward in Bakersfield. I don't think there's a D man in Bakersfield that I love the idea of trading, at least one that would have value. If someone, whatever, wants Ben Gleason, they can have Ben Gleason or Marcus Niemelainen. But of the prospects, I'm okay with all the forwards in Bakersfield going. I'm not okay with the defenseman going. And I think that's kind of how... I divvy it up. And then the only player I have that I think would even be in the conversation or that teams would ask for that is untouchable for me is Dylan Holloway. I don't think there's anyone else you should value enough to say they're not untouchable, but Dylan Holloway, I think he's untouchable at this deadline. Aaron, do you think I'm incorrect in that or is Holloway untouchable? He's absolutely untouchable the way, I don't know, it seem we've been waiting a couple years for this guy. Last year, we thought he was going to be the Ty Ratty answer. It didn't happen right now, right before he got injured too. He was looking so good. 
gets injured. He's picked up right where he left off. Yeah. He, you saw it earlier. Somebody said in the chat there, you could even play that guy in the top six. I'm not going to do that now, but I think come next year, the year after Dylan Holloway could be potting 25, 30 goals. Like this guy's the limit for him. He's got tons of skill. I did have him potting 20 this season. Hasn't quite happened yet, but I will keep predicting that. Yeah. And again, when you look at the forward group for next year, you're going to need Dylan Holloway on a cheap contract. I know he's a pending RFA, but just considering the fact he hasn't played a ton of games, he doesn't have Arbright's. It's going to be a $1 million deal for Dylan Holloway. You need to take Fogel spot. Like that's my ideal in my brain. Yeah. Like when I'm planning ahead for next year and you need to, to an extent, plan ahead for next year, when you're talking about what you're okay with moving at the deadline, I got, like I said, the big five, we all know the five guys that make more than 5 million. McLeod's under contract. Holloway's going to be back. Derek Ryan's under contract. There is eight pieces already for your, we'll call them 13 forward spots next year. I think you probably will have one of Lane Peterson or Jaden Gruby up as the fourth line center. Boom, there's nine. I think Raph Lavoie, if he's still in the organization, I know he's a pending RFA with Arbright's, probably in your lineup as well. And you're already at 10 and you've got guys with skill, but I think Dylan Holloway is important enough right now and for the future because you're going to need that cheap contract. Um, you absolutely don't move on from him. I don't care what the deal is. It's just, if a team comes and says, we want Dylan Holloway to make this work, you go back at them and say, you can have the first in Broberg or nothing. Cause I, I value him that high and he's that important to this team right now. So absolutely not moving on from Dylan Holloway, but there you go. The Am short I court- off to think that he could score? That many goals? I think that's am aggressive. I, I, I think 25 is aggressive. Am I let's, that off? Let's walk before we run a little <laughs> bit here. Um, I just see it. Yeah. He just passes the eye test. He shoots that puck so well. He's so fast. He's always engaged. But you're right. Pull me back. Pull me back. Thank you, Doc. Um, Calvin Pickard, bring back Brown for 750K. Absolutely. If Connor Brown will come back for 750K next year, for sure. And I understand that will sound weird for me to be like, if Connor Brown will come back for 750K, but if this year doesn't go well, he might just sit there and go, I think I need a fresh start. And he might just go to a Arizona or whatever for a million bucks. What did Toby Reader do after? Went to Calgary. Oh, shit. No. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can't do no. that. If we got your dead money, you can't go play for the Flames. Also, I'm going to end the poll now. But Sam Gagne, 54%. Yeah. Matthias Janmark, 41%. Wow. Derek Ryan, 5%. So somewhere Matt Wozniak is smiling. Um. Ryan Rashog tweeting Corey Perry practicing on the second power play unit with nurse at home, Fogel and Kane. So that certainly looks like something you do. If you're getting re- ready to make your Oilers debut is you start practicing with the power play unit. So um, where were we in this conversation? Dylan Holloway. Yeah. That I, was the end of the giant question. Yeah. That was the end of the giant question. So what are the assets I'd be okay with the Oilers giving up at the deadline, the locks that I don't even blink or think twice about trading the first and second this year, Borgo, any of the forward prospects in Bakersfield, my maybe spots, are Broberg and next year's first rounder. My only untouchable is Dylan Holloway. So there you go. Um, let's turn our attention to the Booster Juice YouTube chat and see what you all got going on. Owen says it'd be 775K. Yeah, sure. 775K for Connor Brown. I mean, it's that old, like, what would you rather have? You already, it's some cost fallacy to an extent. And I realize that might be kind of dumb to do. But again, I've liked what Connor Brown's brought to the lineup. He just needed some puck luck. If he had five goals right now, we'd be complaining about him a lot less. Um, but I like the player. I still believe in the player. I know you're all going to call me dumb and there's going to be people who are just going around no, running no, no. me out of town if you're on watching, Twitter. he is an asset to yeah. this team. He moves his feet. He's and getting like, chances. He just 
is the most snake bitten man I've ever seen put on two skates before. And if he's willing to come back next year for league minimum, at least you'll have something for the dead calf space. I know that's kind of dumb. And, like and you can it get up. worse? <laughs> no, it can't get See? worse. Uh, Mulek is in. Do you think there's a chance we move on from Kane this off season? I think that's really interesting because I'm not sure what kind of value he'd have. Um, 5.1 million bucks is no movement clause from Feb 28, 2025 modified no movement clause until Feb 28. Okay. So he's fully no moved right now. And then on March 1st, it goes to a 16 team, no trade list. So March 1st next year is situation changes a little with that NMC, but for now he's locked in. He's 5 million bucks as the cap goes up. I mean, Owen Tippett just got $6.2 million. I know Owen Tippett's a good 24 year old. He's got that 30 goal potential, but like Vander Kane scores 30 goals for you or scores at a 30 goal pace year in, year out. And I still think next year, even though he's an older power forward and it's a little up and down and when he's down, it's down when he's up though, it's It's really up. And you like having that guy for 5 million bucks. So I don't think there's a chance they move on from Evander Kane just because I think it's really hard to 5 million bucks. I don't know. I understand the logic in it. I don't think it's going to happen. And again, if he can score you 25 to 30 goals for 5 million bucks, you're happy with that production. Do you wish it would come around with a little bit more consistency and he was a little bit like that and not like this? People listening on podcast, I understand that makes zero sense, but I'm moving my hands in kind of like a line. You wish it'd come with more consistency. Absolutely. But I just looked. Evander Kane is fourth in the NHL in hits. Hits are a weird stat, but yeah, I mean, when he's engaged, man, he's running around, banging bodies, scoring goals, making plays. When he's not engaged, we've seen that. We've seen what that looks like this year. We all know. But again, are you going to be able to go out and replace that guy and replace the 25 to 30 goals he'll eventually give you in your lineup for less than $5 million? I don't think so. So um, if someone's suggesting trading Nuge, go to hell. Um, He's locked in. He's going to be a career oiler. Yeah, we'll ban you from the chat. He also has a no movement clause. So I think all of those 5 million plus guys are back next season. I don't see any doubt about that. The interesting part will be like what happens with a guy like Warren Fogle. You know, if you can get out of Jack Campbell, maybe you can look at bringing back a Warren Fogle, but I don't think so. I think pieces like Yanmark, Sam Gagne is probably just going to retire at the end of the season. Um, maybe Connor Brown's back, but again, probably banking on some young guys, some of those Bakersfield pieces coming up next season. I don't think unless things go spectacularly terribly in the playoffs that we're going to see sweeping changes to this forward group uh, over the next or over the summer months here. Uh, what else do you got going on here? Odin says Kane's going to finish with 35 plus goals. He ain't leaving. Yeah. Calvin Pickard. What about Perry? If he works out, I could see Perry coming back for another year. If things go well, um, mm. Daryl Sutter, it's crazy to think the Oilers are tied with Vancouver Winnipeg for least amount of losses, regulation and OT this season. Yeah, that actually is a wild stat. Again, the fact that they've just gone from so down in the dumps to as high as they are is crazy. I I know our guy Pat Puff sent out a tweet earlier today about uh, the Oilers and the Golden Knights comparing their two records. Vegas started their season 11 and 1. Edmonton started their season 2 and 10. The Oilers now have a better win percentage. It's wild, but hey, that's what a historic winning streak will do for you. Uh, What's this one? I love that people sometimes can connect other sports together. Read this one, but... 
On December 19th, the Edmonton Oilers were 13-15-1. They are 15-0-0 since. They're the second MLB, NBA, or NHL team in the last 80 years to have a sub-500 record at least 15 games into the season and then win 15 in a row. The other was the 91 Twins who went on to win the World Series. Well, son of a bitch, let's start planning the parade. Know, right? Not if related the, at all. If but the Twins I'll were able it. to win a World Series, then surely uh, this means the Oilers I'll are going to win Dave says Kane's contract is up at the same time. McDavid and Skinner are up. Oh, man, what a blessing. Stuart Skinner, two more years at $2.6 million. Okay, when you look at how important... Damn you, Jack. Let me, I'm going to give you two players. When you look at how important they are to the Oilers' success and how expensive they're going to be next season, Skinner and Bouchard for a combined $6.5 million is insane. Next year, you need to move on from Campbell. You need a... $1 million backup for Stuart Skinner, and you are going to get good goaltending for a total of $3.6 million. That is crazy. And that is why I am also okay if some team is like, hey, we will take Jack Campbell from you, and it won't cost you a first-round pick. We just need you to keep like $1.5 I do it. I do it every day of the yeah. week. I don't see a, yeah, I don't see a losing. Because that. your goaltending so cheap with Stuart Skinner. Like, does Campbell have bonuses? What's his... Ah, he doesn't have bonuses anymore. I was going to say it probably, it would have become an easier contract to move in the summer. If he had like a $2 million bonus due on July 1st, and you could just wait out that bonus ending and then go trade him to a team like San Jose, who might not want to front the bill or might want to save a little bit of money. But again, the goaltending being such a big value. Yeah. Joel says, um, hello, Rodrigue. Sure. Yeah. Give me another year of Pickard at one or at seven league minimum. Say, I'm okay with Pickard again, but Rodrigue is and Rodrigue, and then you have that safety, right? You yeah. could maybe send Rodrigue, but I know he needs waivers, so yeah, I probably will be a Skinner Rodrigue duo. You're talking season. Jack Campbell, and I keep his buyout. I keep that thing on yeah. me just in case. <laughs> it's ugly. I don't want to buy him out again. Like as much as you'd love to see the cap hit go to 1.1 next year, if you re- retaining two million on Campbell is infinitely better than the buyout. Yes. 900K next year that you don't have, sure. Year after, if you're retaining three, two mil, it's better than having the 2.3 of dead. And if you're retaining two mil the year after, better than 2.6, then you're done and you don't have three years I'm of no dead at 1.5. But it, that seems like simple math. It makes win, sense. Win. I know Frank always yells at me for bringing that up, but come on. I think it makes sense. And he's very set that yeah. he has to just be off the books. Uh, Mulek says I had to pause for a bit, but my point with trading Kane is more of a move for opportunity with some of the kids coming up, giving Holloway and McLeod consistent top six. Uh, I get that. But again, I would just be okay with building a, I, I view it more as building a top nine yeah. with a bunch of good players. And, and I think I want to keep Kane around for that reason. Um, bio Campbell after next year's, after next year, Neil's money is gone and the money isn't as bad. God damn, they're still paying James Neal this year and next year. <laughs> Fuck, that sucks. That's why I don't want to buy Jack Campbell because I don't want to be sitting here six years from now in the year 2029 being like, whew, finally, last year of that damn Campbell money is get coming off the books. <laughs> and what the third year of that dead cap space is 2.6. Is that not? The, yeah, that would be the year they need to sign Connor McDavid again. Do you want 2.6 of dead money on the books? When they need to re-sign Connor McDavid that summer? No. If Jack Campbell is the reason I can't re-sign Connor McDavid, we will rise. Yeah. Um, I don't want to sign up for, and I understand, yeah, I guess the last year you'd be retaining $2 million as well. So there'd still be dead money, but then at least you're out of it after that. So maybe I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth there, but regardless. Um, all right. If the cap is up 10 mil, it won't matter. Yeah. I mean, you're certainly hoping for some big leaps at some point. Like next year, it's 87.5. 
I think the hope would be that by that 2026 offseason, when McDavid's new deal will be kicking in, the cap is 100 mil or north of 100 mil. That would be great. Uh, and the shitty part for the Oilers, as it stands right now, is the cap increase they're getting this year, which is finally significant, is basically all going to paying off Connor Brown and Corey Perry's bonuses, assuming Corey Perry hits his bonus with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, there you go. Booster Juice YouTube chat. Refuel with our friends at Booster Juice. They kept me fueled up during that Tourism Jasper Pond Hockey Tournament. You can download the new Booster Rewards app today to start earning berry points for delicious and nutritious smoothies, drinks, and food that will get you through the day uh, moving along on the program today let's get to a little rumor roundup for our friends at finning cat earlier today on daily face off live frank saravalli once again brought up the name nick dowd of the washington capitals we had a bit of a conversation just about the washington capitals in general and who they could look to move off but nick dowd's an interesting one 33 years old don't love the age side of that he's got another year at 1.3 million and he's kind of just one of those He's a perfect fourth line player, I guess is a good way to put it. He can make an impact. He can kill penalties, all that kind of stuff. For me, earlier in the year, I looked at him as like, a, ooh, that's a guy I could see the Oilers wanting to go after. But I don't see a tremendous amount of offensive upside with him, especially at 33 years old. His career high is 25 points. That That's the best I think he'd do here. I'm intrigued by him because of the extra year, but I think the Oilers should be aiming a little bit higher than a guy like Nick Dowd at the deadline. Second year, I like that. And I know I just said it'd be ideal to find guys with term who can help you for multiple runs, but I don't know if I'm... Like, I'm intrigued with Nick Dowd being a good bottom sixer for you this time around, but am I intrigued at him 34 years old in next year's playoffs? Probably not. And with the cap crunch the way it is for the Oilers, again, 1.3 isn't a heinous cap hit by any stretch. I just think they probably need to fill up their bottom six next year with a bunch of $775,000 players. They need some league min contracts to help this thing. Like a big value this year, obviously Corey Perry at league minimum, but Sam Gagne and Connor Brown being league minimum this year really, really helped their cap picture. And I think you need to follow a similar thing next season. So Nick Dowd, I think I pass on him just because you need guys that are going to be cheaper. Hey, if Washington's willing to retain 50% and go, we'll sign up for one year of dead money. And all of a sudden Nick Dowd is 650 K. Sure. Cause then it's, then it's a good asset. I'd give up a pick for that, but I don't view him as a perfect fit. He doesn't shoot right either. He shoots left. So I think I'm good on, uh, on Nick Dowd. Wait, no, he does shoot right. I thought he was a left shot. Never mind. Okay. Mildly Maybe the photos flipped. Who knows? <laughs> no, he looks like I'm, he's right-handed. Yeah, that, that's right-handed. <laughs> okay, he's a right-handed centerman. Ah. I could use some righties. If they keep 50%, now I'm in. Because he, again, is a right-shot centerman. Waz is in the chat. Says, could Dowd be this year's Bukestad? Yeah, maybe. But again, like, mm. I want to aim higher at this deadline. We're already sitting here going, oh, who are you taking out of the lineup for the Oilers now that Corey Perry's here? You had your bottom six can be fine the way it is. I want to improve the top six spot next to Leon Dreisaitl. Push a piece down. Boom. There we go. Um, I want to aim higher. I really do. And that's why, like, we looked at the mid-round picks that the Oilers have coming up, and they've traded a lot of them in past years, right? To do things like get a Nick Bukestad into the mix. But um, not Tyler Mule either. Toffoli Bukestad. Like, yeah, I want to go as high as a Tyler Toffoli-like piece. And you don't have your fourth. We talked already. You traded your second this year. You don't have your third rounder this year. Like 
the options for the Oilers almost are only and exclusively to shoot for the stars at this deadline. So go get a big name. I don't know if they really need another bottom six piece. A fourth line center would be nice. A right shot fourth line center. I get it. I'm not saying no, absolutely to doubt. But again, Perry's going to slide in where Gagne is. Maybe if you move on from a guy like Yanmar, because you want that million bucks off the books in a deal, you look at bringing in doubt if he's retained, but it's not, he's not a, he's a good fit, but not a perfect fit. I'm not getting giddy about the idea of Nick doubt is, is kind of what I'm trying to say here. Anyways. Um, all right, there you go. Rumor roundup, really not a lot, but we do know Frank teased us a little bit that he's going to have a new trade targets coming out at some point. So um, that should hopefully there's some spicy names on there. I could use some spicy names on that list. Shout out to our friends at Finning Cat for the rumor roundup, a segment that is only going to get busier as we continue to move along. Um, all right. I think we're getting towards. Do we want to show Gallagher? Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about this. I don't know if this falls in rumor roundup, but this is messed up. Yeah. Okay. So this hit from Brendan Gallagher, that is some primetime Rafi Torres like shit. <laughs> Well, that's not a very eloquent way, eloquent way of putting this it. This is not like, an eloquent hit. This is insanely dirty. And today on DFO Live, like he's not, he's getting a phone hearing. So which means the max he's sitting for this thing is five games. And Frank was like, ah, well, the Department of Player Safety. And Frank wasn't making excuses for him. This is just what he his reporting or what he said. But he was like, you know, maybe they don't want to run the risk of him appealing it and having it go down that path. But like, this has got to be an eight to 10 game if, suspension. If that's not an in-person hearing. What the hell is an in-person hearing? That's like definition. The puck's way gone. Elbow so up. It's like a chicken wing straight. Feet to the are end. off the ice there. Feet Both the feet ice. are off the ice for a second. Every like, aspect of that hit is dirty as hell. It's going to be five games. There's no way it's not five games, but that is crazy dirty. And also the Department of Player Safety hasn't announced anything for Huberto. And Huberto ran Roslevic from behind yesterday. Like that one was dirty. I feel like Huberto's should be three or four games and Gallagher should be double it. Instead, it's sounding like it's going to be zero for Huberto and a max because it's a phone hearing of five for Brennan Gallagher. Dude, the Department of Player Safety has been a mess. And I told Frank, I was like, man, if the reason they're not giving him more than five games is because they're sitting there going, ah, God. Our appeal process is kind of a mess and we'd prefer to not go through it. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> Do we have the Huberto hit? Yeah, I'm trying to download it. Okay, no rush. It's oh, all good. Um, but the fact that's not eight to 10 games. And I know Brennan Gallagher doesn't have a, he has a reputation, but he doesn't have a long history of suspensions and things like that. So he's not like he's a repeat offender type move or anything. Still, that's so dirty. That's so far from a hockey play. Like at least Huberto has a borderline excuse of like, ah, he turned and I'm going for the puck. Gallagher got beat by the guy and was like, oh, that's me and elbowed him. You could tell Huberto's reaction is kind of like, come on, he turned, but he had enough time to let up on this one. Like watch he's his backs turned here. And then Huberto hits him. Like there was enough time for him to let up. Also, Roslovic was already kind of in that danger zone, like a couple feet away from the board. So like it's boarding at best a suspension at worst. And it's the at worst. That's the risk you take when you hit a guy in that position. So I'm sure flames fan liked seeing uh Huberto engaged physically in that yeah, hockey game, but go. that's not okay. That should have been a suspension. Get that visual of his face. Oh, oh, yeah. He my. was not up big time. 
Um, all right, let's get to what do we got? Still got to do today. Ooh, I needed to give a plug to the folks at the world's longest game. They've done it in the past, but this year they are doing a uh, it's like a juniors version of it. So there's a bunch of kids out there playing. Uh, things started Thursday at 3 p.m. with the ceremonial puck drop by Kevin Lowe. They're going to wrap up Sunday at 6 p.m. There are 46 players all age 12 to 16 who are going and uh, raising some money for pediatric cancer research. Their goal is half a million bucks. Every single penny that they raise goes to the charity as well. It's the outdoor rink out at Sakers Acres, about 10 minutes east of Sherwood Park. It shows up on Google Maps when you punch it That's where it I in. grew up. Oh, well, it, it, it is like two minutes from my house. There you go. He well, used to be my eye doctor. Ah, <laughs> old friend's sake. Uh, 46 players again, age 12 to 16, doing some great stuff for charity out at Sakers Acres. So wanted to give them some love as they plug along with the world's longest game, the junior edition of it, which is really cool. Um, so that's going on this weekend. Let's get to your content menu for our friends at DoorDash. For a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and use the promo code NATION25, it's up at the top of your screen this weekend. Kick your feet up, relax at the Friday night. Let DoorDash handle the food, delivery, and more right to your door with DoorDash. Um, what do we got? New Oilers Nation Radio dropping later this afternoon. And then tomorrow, Ordzi and I going live 1 o'clock, a little matinee afternoon edition early of pre-gaming. And the last one for a few weeks as well. I get a nice little break next week of no oil games. I mean, they do too, the players as well. I don't get to go to a beach on Aruba like Zach Hyman will, but we'll enjoy. We'll enjoy. You're going to the T-Dot. Yeah, going to T-Dot. big week. So yeah, next week as well, by the way, show Monday, show Tuesday, travel day Wednesday. So there's going to be no show next Wednesday. And then Liam and I are going to be live in Toronto. It's like a sports media conference. We're going to be uh, attending and doing our shows live from there. So uh, giddy up. Thursday, Friday, live in Toronto. And you know what? You got to see Tate McRae, bro. Yeah, I got to see Tate McRae <laughs> in the flesh. I can't wait. I'm jittering with excitement. <laughs> um, <laughs> for takeover on Wednesday, Aaron will produce. Yeah, a fan takeover on Wednesday, Aaron will produce. I absolutely cannot give you guys that. Not Aaron. You guys do not. You guys talk about edging and shit for an hour. I can't trust I, that. I don't even know if you can trust me with that. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, and you know what? I'm just going to say it. You guys were crazy on Twitter yesterday. Ryan Whitney followed me on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk. Which means the DM pipeline is open. He made that choice to follow me on Twitter. You tweeted at him yesterday and you said, Hey, let's talk about it. And and that was like one of the most popular tweets I've had in the last couple of weeks. There you go. Help us out. Everybody. If you can't be nice. Yeah. Be nice. Be nice. Be nice. Um, We can post. We'll see. Maybe one of those two shows next week. We can, uh, we can find a way to make that work. I haven't even reached out to him yet, but I will reach out to him. That gotta is my problem. Play hard to get. Just a little bit, just a little bit. We're going to try and make it work. Um, all right. Afternoon pre-gaming, post-game tomorrow with Aaron and Dan Damn. immediately following the game when hopefully they're talking about a 16th straight win. Also, if any of you, if there's anyone in the chat still alive in the Daily Face-Off Survivor game, I want to know. Um, I'm not. There's 11 people left in play as we head into the weekend. The good news is if you're someone who keeps missing it kind of as it goes along, you can get in right now for uh, the start of next week. Like I'm going to go lock in my pick right now. I'm going to take, what do I like here? It's on the screen. That's the one for uh, this Friday. I'm eliminated though. Oh, this is for Saturday. All right. Saturday. Um, Next week's is already up. I'm just going to lock in hurdle under half a point because that feels safe and the sharks stink. So there you go. I'm already in for next week. You can too. Dailyfaceoffsurvivor.com. Maybe this weekend as you're cruising around, make a stop in at Wendy's. Try the bacon portobello mushroom melt back for a limited time. That and more on the Wendy's app. And of course, they fuel 
the daily face-off survivor game at dailyfaceoffsurvivor.com. Um, all let's right. Take a look. Let's take a look at Saturdays. What do you like? What do you like? Do you, oh, you have it? Yeah. Oh, this is Saturdays. Um, what do I like? Detroit over three and a half goals there. Ooh, are the Islanders at home for that game? Because their counter loves giving them hits. All those years where like Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck led the league and like never hit anyone on the road, apparently. Um, yeah, they're at home. Give me Islanders over 19 and a half hits. Their that, counter will make sure that hits. That's the hit. inside info you're only going to get from your Hemchuck's brain right there. Who knows? The hit counter out there at the Islanders games does this thing. Hits, and, the man. hits, turnovers, and giveaways can be skewed towards the home yeah. team sometimes. Like I'm, I want to look up the Islanders hits right now really quick to see... Uh, to see what they're at at home versus the road before I give this out as official advice on the show. I don't even know who they're playing, but I'm taking under 0.5 Carlson points. Ooh, yeah, that's probably fair too. Okay, the Islanders average 20.19 hits per 60 when they're at home. Um, So there you go. That would be over 19 and a half. So um, yeah, give me that. They average that on the road too. So I lied about their counter being bad. My apologies to him. Okay. That is a wrap on today's edition of the show. Hopefully some big names on the star mechanical guest line next week. Liam will return at some point as well. So uh, giddy up, have a good weekend, everybody. And I'll chat with you tomorrow on pregaming. Thank you for watching Oilers nation every day. Hit the subscribe button to never miss a show. And for more, visit OilersNation.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.